0: Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Head of Australian Economics, Gareth Ed. Gareth, nice to have you on on the post-election Monday.
1: Yeah, thanks Belinda and good day to everyone who's listening. It, um, it has been a big weekend and mm. of course we've got a, got a change of government.
0: We do. So first change in government in nine years. So the Labor government led by... Anthony Albanese has been sworn in. Uh, That happened earlier today. We're recording this around lunchtime on Monday. So there are, I guess, for us forecasters and us economists, some things that we need to consider uh, when we're looking at the change in government. There are some changes in policies. Uh, Gareth, do you want to run us through maybe where some key differences are expected to be for the incoming government?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's, there will be some policy shifts um, and that's very much um, standard when you get a change of government. Um, the question really is though, are those policy shifts actually going to mm. um, change the economic outlook? And we think in the main, not at the moment, um, certainly in terms of what um, the, the Labor government actually campaigned on uh, pre-election. Most of the reforms they've flagged um, are around policy areas which don't really shift the dial the way we look at the economy in terms of GDP, employment, and inflation. So, some reform is expected around aged care, uh, child care, housing, and health. There will obviously be a greater emphasis on climate-related policies too, um, given Labor has set an emissions reduction target of forty-three percent by twenty thirty. So that that's going to have an impact over the over the longer term. But our forecast horizon uh, at the moment is out till the end of twenty twenty-three, and we don't think there's anything in. Um, in the agenda that's been announced to date that causes us to um, revise our economic forecast. And then by ex- extension, uh, we haven't changed the RBA call based on the fact we've got a change of government.
0: So we'll get to the RBA in a minute. Uh, a new government also means a new federal treasurer. Uh, so incoming treasurer Jim Chalmers, who has been around for quite some time, worked for Wayne Swan uh, during the global financial crisis, has been sworn in, as. Uh, as treasurer so we expect him to deliver a ministerial statement when he comes into parliament in june but we have another budget to look forward to don't we
1: yeah that's right the the, the government has flagged that um, october is when they're likely to hand down a new budget and that's the document that'll that'll fully flesh out um, their thoughts around the, the fiscal strategy um as i said they haven't sort of announced enough that it causes us to um, revise any of our forecasts. But then it's clearly possible that over coming months, uh, they do start to announce some policies which weren't flagged um, mm. pre-election and that could shift the economic outlook. So, of course, we like- um, all, all of this, you know, our forecasts will reflect uh, what's going on and where we think things are going. Uh, but certainly today, uh, there's be, there's been no need for us to, to revisit our economic forecasts.
0: So just on those forecasts for readers, we have GDP growth of 4.4% as at Q4 22 and then a slowdown to 2.6% as at Q4 23, the unemployment rate is expected to hold at around 3.75% over our forecast period and we'll touch on the latest unemployment figures very shortly but obviously we have had that lift in inflation from here and that's probably one of the main differences since the, the March budget. There has been a significant shift in the inflation outlook so we're probably going to see some changes between the March 2022 budget and the October 20. 22 budget uh when that is released later this year now in terms of the rba your view is that you know based on the election and also some data we got out last week that will see just a business as usual rate hike of 25 basis points at the june board meeting
1: that that's the central scenario um The RBA surprised a lot of people by actually delivering a 25 basis Mm -hmm. point uh, increase in the cash rate in May uh, because it took the cash rate target to an unorthodox level of 0.35%. But the governor did say that 25 basis points is a business as usual uh, rate hike and they would need to, I think, um, have seen something in the data between meetings to justify doing a a bigger rate hike at the the June board meeting. because if you if you move away from business as usual, which is your 25, and you do something else, like some commentators are suggesting 40 basis points or 50 basis points even, you've got to hang it off something. Mm. Um, and the data that we got out last week uh, around wages and the labour market uh, was, was reasonably good, but it wasn't any stronger uh, than the RBA would have expected um, at the May board meeting. Mm. And then on top of that, uh, we, we've got a change of government, which means if the board meeting straight after we get a change of government, the RBA delivers a not as uh, a business, not as usual rate hike of more than 25 basis points. They're implicitly saying there that they've changed their assessment around inflation or the, the risk of higher inflation, um, because, given we've had a change of government. Because there's nothing actually in the economic data that we've had over recent weeks that would validate a change in the assessment of, of the inflation outlook. So I think at the margin, uh, the change of government actually um, strengthens the case to deliver 25 basis points at the June board meeting and nothing more, simply because of the optics. Um, if you didn't need anything more, but you didn't have any data to actually hang it off, then uh, people would dr- draw, the, draw the inference that um, there's something in the change of government that's causing you to, to do a bigger rate hike.
0: Let's touch on that data from last week. So we got the wage price index data uh, for Q1 22 and the April labour force data. Now employment rose by just 4,000, the unemployment rate held steady at 3.9%, but we did see that significant shift between uh, full-time and part-time work, didn't we?
1: We did. Um, it, it was a pretty good um, employment mm. print, all, th- all things considered. Uh, we're a little bit surprised that employment only rose by 4,000, but compositionally, it was very strong. Um, a big increase in full-time employment of 92,000, while part-time employment fell by 88,000. And the unemployment rate held flood at 3.9% because the ABS uh, downwardly revised the March unemployment rate to 3.9%. Well, I think what was interesting, though, is that the underemployment rate um, continue to decline. Mm. And I think you can sort of connect the dots there and say you've got a lot more um, people now in full-time work relative to part-time work um, as a proportion to what we had pre-pandemic. and we've got an underemployment rate which is measuring all those people that have a job but are looking for more work uh, that has come down quite quite materially. So I'd suggest what's happening there is that people that were previously looking for more work and couldn't get it and were considered part-time workers, are actually getting those extra hours now. They're being counted as full-time work by the ABS because as long as you do more than 35 hours work in a week, you're full-time, and that's being also then reflected in that lower underemployment rate. So whichever way you slice it, the the Australian uh, labour market is looking very tight at the moment and that should um, translate into higher wages growth, but it's just taking a little bit of time for that to happen.
0: It is, so we did get the Q1 data out uh, last week, so the wage price index rose by 0.7% in that quarter, so the annual rate stepped up to 2.4%, so that was a little bit below ours and the market's expectations, where we went for a 0.8% lift in the quarter up to 2.5% for the year. It looks like wages are rising, but in a small
1: proportion of people and jobs. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. Mm. Um, it, it was a little bit underwhelming that the wages data, um, there was a, an increase of 0.7% on the quarter, but if you if you look at it to two decimal places, it was a lift of 0.65%. So it only just rounded up to 0.7% and that's exactly what we got in the December quarter where the wage price index rose by, 0.65 percent. Also, so the, the wages data, as measured by the wage price index, is is moving in the right direction, but it's certainly taking a while to get going. Mm. Um, particularly given how tight the labour market are, and and it's interesting because uh, earlier this year, um, when Governor Lowe was making for the making the case as to why it was so important to wait for wages data before raising the cash rate and data on labour costs, he spoke a fair bit about. Um, inertia in Australia's wage setting process and the Q1 wage price index completely validated uh what he had been saying albeit they lift they they increased the cash rate in May without waiting to see uh the official wages data now their liaison program suggests that wages pressures uh are moving uh quite a bit stronger than the wage price index but the wage price index is still the official data and it it looks and lines up very similar to what our internal data at the bank is saying and that is that wages are moving up, but it's 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 not broad based, mm. and therefore, what you're hearing is a lot of anecdotes of individuals who are changing jobs or getting you know really strong pay rises in certain industries. But if you look across the economy as a whole, uh, the wages pressures are nowhere near as strong here as they are in some other jurisdictions. Yep. So I think that gives us some confidence then at the moment that Australia is not facing a wages price spiral like elsewhere and that the Reserve Bank um, does not need to go too hard and too aggressive uh, with their tightening cycle given that they still want to see those wage pressures fully emerge um, so that we we end up where the average person out there is getting three, three and a half percent pay rise each year.
0: It's certainly, uh, as you said, We aren't seeing that and then with the strong inflation figures that we are running, there's been a lot of discussion around negative real wages growth and with higher interest rates, we are looking at any early indicators about how that's going to impact on the consumer outlook. So we're watching that high-frequency data really closely uh, over the coming months just to see how the household sector will be reacting uh, to both the – lacklustre wages growth as well as the continued cost pressure and rising interest rates we're seeing in the economy at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I think over in, in the near term, there's a very important uh, decision to be handed down by the Fair Work Commission mm. where they'll set the uh, the minimum wage or the award wage increase uh, for next financial year. Um, that in some way will uh, go somewhere, I think, to, to resetting wages expectations across the economy. Um, but The the odds are that they'll deliver something um, relatively sizey compared to the recent past, and that's basically required if we're going to see wages uh, really reset across Mm. the board to the kind of levels that the Reserve Bank had been saying um, right up until this point was actually necessary for inflation to be sustainably within the target range. If you don't get the wages growth moving moving higher, um, then what, what we'll have is a household sector, which will feel like they're going backwards, um, while ever that um, gap between wages and inflation persists. It won't persist indefinitely, because eventually um, that it would it would um, lead to lower consumption, and that would pull down the rate of inflation. But sh- certainly in the short run, um, households are probably not gonna be feeling particularly good about things, given real wages growth is negative. And then of course the Reserve Bank uh, is, is has its tightening cycle underway, and that'll probably have an impact um, where home prices fall. So it's a a fascinating time in a lot of ways because some of the economic data looks incredibly strong, um, but we do have an interest rate tightening cycle underway, and I think, um, as we've flagged before, it means you've got to put a a fair bit more weight than usual on some of those forward-looking indicators of the economy to get a better sense of how this is all going to play out.
0: We will indeed and we'll uh, continue to discuss that with our listeners. But Gareth, the next couple of weeks will be extremely busy. We get the Q1 GDP printout next week and then the RBA June board meeting the week after. Thanks so much for joining today. Thanks, Blenda. Now, you can read Gareth Ed's report on the election outcome, which was published on the 23rd of May 2022, on combankresearch.com.au. And you can also read our write ups of the April labour force print and the Q1 wage print data at the same website.